Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. It's Kego Lasso Weekend Recap. We have Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce to break it all down as Manchester City continues to roll on in the Premier League. Liverpool lose to Leicester City. Man United held by West Brom. We have La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A as Inter Milan go top of the table. We have this and much more. Kego Lasso Weekend Recap begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso Weekend Recap. Valentine's Day, everybody. Hey, Heath Pierce. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to the fellas, huh? Exactly. Happy Valentine's Day, Jimmy Conrad. Happy Valentine's Day to you guys. Uh, I am wearing a Danish kit that's red. I wanted to show my redness for Valentine's Day, but I am scantily clad below this, just so everybody has a good visual. Love it, love it. Well, <laughs> I'm commandoing it right below this top. Like, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but oh, no. if you're watching on YouTube, by the way, uh, youtube.com forward slash Lasso, our very own channel. Uh, everybody, Heath, Jimmy, when I, it's just three of us. Uh, we're all wearing red and I'm wearing pink. Jimmy gave me some some crap for wearing pink, but I'm like pink and red. Pink no, and no, it's I only gave you crap because you told us to wear something red and then you show up wearing pink. So I was like, all right. <laughs> it's the old costume party and then the person hosting it doesn't dress up, you know? Yeah, or they want to one up you and make sure yeah. that you're not yeah. dressed as good as they are. That's Why'd not- you come wearing red? <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. We all look great and fantastic. But anyway, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Uh, it's also our weekend recap. So much to talk about. But we wanted to have some fun at the very beginning of this episode. Uh, Valentine's Day is a day of love. And, if, you know, we, we're all we're with our significant others, but also there comes a time in your life where you also have some crushes, right? And being this the beautiful game and a podcast and a show about the beautiful game, we thought we'd do a little fun thing here. And who is your secret soccer crush? Who is your secret? Could be, could be you know, in the women's game, could be in the men's game, could be anybody. Uh, but I think all of us are gearing uh, with, you know, Europe-based, I think. Um, we wanted to begin uh, with Heath. Who is your soccer crush, uh, Heath Pierce? Uh, can, can I, before we get into that real quick, can I, Jimmy, can I just mention, do, are you listening to Luis's a little bit softer voice right now as, as he tees up this yeah. uh, beautiful Valentine's Day? I, it's I a little higher like... pitch. It's a little softer. Yeah. You know, it's a little like, you know, there's a little bit more love in it. A little more. Uh, I just want to point that out, Luis. It's sure. great. I, I feel like it's it... an episode of Loveline, you know? It's... Yeah. We'll I get call it... uh... Guys. This episode will go out at midnight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> take us, take, take a long bath. <laughs> I don't I'm know giving, if I need any Louise ASMR, but I appreciate yeah. that. I'm giving yeah. it my so, Robin Thick forward slash Maxwell vibes oh, right now. Oh, uh, there you go. There you go. Um I'm I'm gonna go with uh uh okay Gundawan. Um Ooh. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a short-term crush, right? I'm not looking for anything permanent right now in my in my uh crushes that are outside of Arsenal or a few other teams that I like. So I'm gonna go with him just because the way that he's playing has been really fun. And I think when you look at the season, which we'll get to on, on, on man city, you need certain people willing to carry a little bit extra, extra weight to be able to, to be eventual champions. Right. And, and it's more of an example of teams that are not capable of doing that right now, but he's just been fun to watch having a guy that that's playing in the midfield that can be that deep late runner, but is still stretching defenses, the timing of it as well. He's beating guys on the dribble He's dicing guys up. It's just been fun. It's been fun to watch a sort of revitalization of him as a player because I I don't really talk about him much. And so I just got uh, a crush on him as a player before anybody tries to hit me with any sort of, uh, you know, politics or things that he may have done in his lifetime. Um, him as a player right now, that's my crush. Yeah, no, I love it. Listen, uh, uh, January player of the month. Uh, he's killing it right now. We're going to get into that Man City Tottenham win. And apparently he's a great guy. Of, uh, of the pitch. And you're going to be able to see much more. You can read an interview with him 
on CBS Sports on home. Aaron West as well had a little chat for him for CBS Sports. So he's a great choice. Hey, Jimmy C, who's your uh, who's your crush? My all time crush uh, on the men's side is Andrea Pirlo. He's my uh, Lord and Savior. Actually, for everybody watching on YouTube, I have a shrine built to Pirlo over there. I played against him in the World Cup, and that's a long Amazing. story. But but. He just the way that he controlled the game. That seemed like a pretty short story. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. It was a great one. But it's, it's, all you need. it's a long story. You'd have to be there. You'd Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> no, no, no. I that, I that's all I you need. I played with Pirlo in the World Cup. That's, that's it. it. That's it. I switched jerseys with him afterwards. That's it. So, so, and then on the women's side, Megan Rapino, a uh, notable BFF of mine. But with regard to Valentine's Day and, and my short term crush, very similar to Heath, I'm going with Romelu Lukaku. The dude is 27 years old. Just scored his 300th career goal for Inter Milan against Lazio today. And I still don't think he gets the respect he deserves. That guy is an absolute baller of a human being. And I love the way he plays. And I love since he's made the move and got out of his comfort zone, leaving England to go to Italy and has just made that league his own. And it's really awesome to see. And so I definitely have a man crush on him right now. I love it. Romelu Lukaku doing his thing. Uh, scored some goals as well today, as you mentioned, against Lazio. And we're going to get into that later in the episode. Well, I obviously... Wait, well, Luis, wait. Pause, pause. I do want to point out that Jimmy did say that he gave an age to his crush. Like, Jimmy likes his right in the prime of their playing career is the crush that Jimmy's looking for. 27 uh, years okay. old, just so just so everybody knows. He wants to do everything with his crush. Wants to go out. Oh, you know, I know. Hey, listen, yeah. listen, I just wanted to, yeah. Okay, doesn't like them when they're younger. Doesn't like them when they're past I, their prime. I like, like when they got a little experience. Prime. I like a little experience, <laughs> but I will say this is going a whole different direction. I will say, I thought it was just important to say that he scored 300 career goals by the age of 27. I think that's super impressive. And I just wanted to reemphasize that I still don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Thanks. So he getting the job done is very important for us. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, no secret where I'm going. Jack Grealish, the most beautiful man in the planet, <laughs> of course. But actually, my other one is Emiliano Martinez. I mean, what a tremendous season for it. We're not going to get into it that much with our Premier League recap, but Villa had no right getting anything out of that Brighton game. Brighton, I think, did really well. But the only reason why they got out with a point was because, once again, uh, the Argentinian goalkeeper, uh, hugely an underdog for so many years for Arsenal, comes to Villa. 12 clean sheets, guys. Only four clean sheets away from breaking Brad Friedel's Aston Villa record. That was 15 in 2009, 2010. And he's got 16 games left to do it. Just an amazing, amazing performance. He should be the starting number one keeper for Argentina. I have no idea why he isn't. Uh, but no, tremendous. Emiliano Martinez, el rey, the king Martinez. Uh, this Valentine's Day is for you. Es para ti. I love you. Te amo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a all nice right. shout out. When, uh, all right, no. You know what? No break. Let's get into it. Premier League. The Premier League is uh, racing, racing, racing. It's nice. And, but listen, we already knew something. Man City already uh, ready to just, you know, tie this one up as they defeat Tottenham 3 nothing. They just keep killing it. We all knew that this was around going to be what was going to happen. But did we expect uh, just how you know dreadful Tottenham was, Jimmy Conrad? What did you make of it? Well, I predicted in our preview show 3-1. So I want to apologize to everybody. I thought Spurs were going to be good enough for a goal. They obviously have the firepower to make that happen. Yeah, a great performance. Uh, I, I don't know where else to start other than I think it's very clear that Manchester City are currently the best team in the world. I think they have the opportunity to win multiple competitions this season. I don't know how they're going to slow down. They were without their best center back in Ruben Diaz. They were without their best midfielder in Kevin De Bruyne. They're arguably without their best striker in Sergio Aguero. And it just doesn't matter. And I think what's interesting about this result in particular is it highlights how much has changed over the last few months. Because the last time they played Spurs in the league, they lost 2-0. And since then, they've won 13 out of 15 league games. And they were in 11th place, by the way, when that happened. And since then, 13 out of 15, drawn the other two. And now they're on top uh, of the table with, with some room, uh, with some cushion. I mean, that is how fast things have changed in favor of Manchester City. And I can't give them enough plaudits for everything they've accomplished and how quickly they've turned everything around and been so good on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I, Heath, I want your opinion on Man City, obviously, but, you know, I really want to focus a little bit on, on Tottenham for a second. Like, 
it's just I, I know it's Man City, but my God, like they just had nothing. There was moments where like Hyun Ming Sun was literally like, what? Well, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm like lost. Like, what would you make of their performance? And of course, Man City, as we knew, this train keeps rolling, as Jimmy mentioned. Yeah, this might sound crazy, but I'm actually looking forward to what happens after the year with the Spurs team, right? I think it wasn't built to be what it was. We saw them go on a run where you saw some buy-in from the team to say, okay, pragmatic defensively, we're, we're very good on the counterattack. But when you start to see some fracture, right? You have to have, like, I, I would not enjoy playing at, at Spurs. I mean, obviously I would, but if, if I had options of where I want to go, the system that they're playing now, you have to build a system of people that are just about winning, right? Winning at any cost, are not interested in playing any other style of play, and and ones that don't get shaky when they lose a game like this, right? Or lose other games because they know it's all about like one nil, one nil, one nil, grinding, grinding, grinding. And it's hard for, to bring a, a manager into a, a team that has had a completely different type of philosophy um, and then implement that in day one and get people to buy in uh, because they bought in when it was working, right? And now when it's not working, it's hard to get guys to buy in. You can see that. There's like some confusion there. And um, I, I'm just interested to see where this goes with the Jose Mourinho, right? Where does, where does it go from here? Uh, because it's disappointing. But at the same time, Jimmy knows this. It's, it's, it's the most uh, commonly, uh, you, you see this type of thing in Major League Soccer, right? This turnover of coaches comes in, decides he's going to do something different, cleans house, brings in a few players, doesn't exactly have uh, the carte blanche to change things. And there's this constant cultural rotation um, or somebody trying to implement a new style of play. And, and it's really hard to do. And it takes a lot of time. So either, again, there needs to be a buy-in because when Chelsea had Mourinho, the first time around, there was an entire buy-in, right? It was an Abramovich. It was a movement that was happening, and there was this way they were going to do it, and they were going to build a team from scratch around this, and, and it happened over time. Um, and what happened quickly, but it happened with uh, like uh, in, intent. Whereas now you're stepping into a different style of play and a different team who's played uh, differently with with attacking players that like to play freely and a different style of play, uh, and you're trying to change all that. And again, not to repeat myself, but when it was going good, it was going great. But yeah. now that it's falling apart again, again. Um, you start to go, where, where are the answers, right? And clearly there's some frustration in the way that they're playing. I know Deli Ali, I believe, had made a comment at some point along the way about the, the, the type of play um, that was expected. And, and you're starting to see that, that sort of fracture because it is a high-risk system. And if you don't have the players built for that or that buy into that, it can, it can go wayward. Yeah, Jimmy, before we move on to other games, the only thing that I'll add, okay, is that, you know, it's, it's – it, it's very difficult to get anything against Man City, but Tottenham didn't show anything. They didn't, and it's not, they have the squad for it. I mean, nothing. I get it. Man City are amazing. And you said at the beginning, you maybe a goal will come from Tottenham. Nothing. Zero. We're talking more than 60% possession, double the pass accuracy. You know, it's just uh, expected, but come on. Like, especially if you're trying to like get into the top four, right? Yeah, it was pretty disappointing. I will say, in Mourinho's defense, for all you Spurs fans out there that maybe want to defend Mourinho in some ways, they did come off a very exhausting, long, emotional 5-4 loss to Everton in the FA Cup midweek. I do think that would have some lasting impact in terms of freshness. You know, he made a mention afterwards that I had a tired team and City had a fresh team. And so, so I do think there's some truth to that. That said, City were always better in every facet of the game, to your point. I wanted to bring up the Hoiberg penalty. I thought the Gundogan... I just thought it was pretty soft. I thought that that could have just been a somewhat of a no call. It should have gone to VAR or if it did go, it, it didn't. I didn't think that was pretty harsh. I thought on Hoiberg that said uh, a city were still the better team to your point. And, and uh, I just kind of wanted to throw that in there for Spurs. Cause I think there are a few excuses you can use, but this isn't just a one-off. This is something that's been kind of building up and they haven't been playing well. And to, to Heath's point about what Deli Ali said, there is something going on behind the scenes and, I mean, that kind of makes sense. I mean, we know that uh, Mourinho doesn't last long at jobs. He doesn't stay very long. He kind of comes in, does what he's going to do, and then leaves, tries to win a trophy. I think he'll see out the season. I think the League Cup final, the Carabao Cup final between Manchester City and April is going to be very interesting. And I think they're going to give everything they can to win that. And outside of that, I think Mourinho could be gone after, after a season and a half, two seasons. The problem is, and we talk about this a lot, who comes in for him? Like, yeah, sure, great. Let's get rid of Mourinho. But then who are you bringing in? And who's going to really bring that that thing that you're looking for, that X factor, that's going to allow to you have the opportunity to elevate this group to another level. I don't know. 
Well, there's a lot of quality in the championship in terms of management. There's a lot of quality in the Bundesliga. You never know. You never know. But yes, I agree with you. I think a few more seasons and then we'll see. All right. let Too much Tottenham talk, but Man City keep <laughs> rolling. Let's move on here. Manchester United held by West Bromwich Albion. 1-0. Um, just a very lackluster performance. West Brom did their thing, try and be resilient and hold on. They actually scored first. And then Bruno Fernandes equalized with a tremendous uh, volley, which is quintessential of, of his uh, trade. But Jimmy, uh, they they also went insane at halftime because the uh, the referee, Craig Paulson, like blew the whistle just as United were countering on a 4-1, 4-2 counter that could have really meant something. And they were insane. And I guess that just, you know, was so frustrating to them that essentially uh, they came out with nothing with that game, uh, well, a point, but it really doesn't mean much when you're trying to climb up that table. How did you see this performance? I thought that it was a big Sam Allardyce special. They put all 11 guys back behind the ball. Their line of confrontation was about 30 yards away from their own goal, and they were going to make them try to break them down in some way that they couldn't. And we saw Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire, the two center backs for Manchester United, trying to generate the attacks and basically running into the next line of midfielders and like, what do we, you have it. I don't know what to do with it. I'm a center back, you know? So it was really interesting uh, to see some of the tactics from Ole Gunnar. I think what's most disappointing was that they only had 10 shots in total. And that is the third worst of any team that played against West Brom all season. And that includes Brighton, who had five one time when they played against them in the Premier League, and Burnley, who had nine. So I question the tactics a little bit, maybe from Ole Gunnar, knowing that that's what you're going to run into when you play against this West Brom team. You know, they're going to fight. You know, they're going to scrap. Uh, Dion got a good goal against Lindelof right at the start. He probably should have scored a hat-trick. Had a tremendous save from David David De Gea twice, and then he missed a sitter there at the end. They could have stole all three points for West Brom. Some some issues there with Manchester United. I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on what they could have done a little bit different, knowing that they were going to have to really break down 11 guys that are just sitting right on top of the box. Yeah, well, Heath, I'll throw it right to you. What could have they done? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Jimmy is spot on that they they could have lost all all the points uh, with Dion's uh, chances, you know, cut back that he sort of slept on it, and then yeah, the saves with with De Gea were huge, right? He, and and he wasn't he wasn't all that he was just busy. He was busy, you know, stretching them up the line, holding the ball, and doing things like that. But it could have gone uh, the other way. Uh, my whole thing is like Jimmy said, they sat back, and when you looked at Rashford. He needed seven, eight, nine touches to try to make a decision anytime he was in and around the box. There was two two players. An overlap wasn't creating space. It wasn't opening things up. He had the opportunities to cut inside. Bruno Fernandes was coming off the line further and further to try to connect. And I think there's an unrealistic pressure that Bruno Fernandes has to create magic every single game right now. Um, and, you know, he, he pulled one back today and he scored some incredible goals and his, his stats are, are, are fantastic. But, you know, I think 14 goals and nine assists this season. So he's capable of setting up and scoring the goals. But, yeah, I think that lack of imagination and urgency with the ball, like Jimmy said, you step into that next line and it's a little bit crowded, right? They, they bait you into that and then they're driving forward and someone just has to play a square ball or they jam it into a, a player with their back to the goal and that combination play. I don't want to take any credit away from, from West Brom. They were doing a good job of ball gets whipped in. They head the ball up. It sits in the air for a while. The next one goes up in the air and it's just sort of just killing any sort of flow. The ball would pop out wide and then it would, they'd slowly try to work it back into the box again. And so it was just, it was just a good, solid performance on the way that you want to play against Manchester United, right? Just never allow them to really settle into the attack. And so um, in terms of, in terms of answering, you know, what, what they could have done differently, I'm not really sure. Right. Like it, 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 it is it a moment of, of, of magic that they, that requires them to break down a team that's sitting that deep. I'm not really sure what the answer would have been. It just felt like, it never really felt like even late in the game, right? It, even when United had the ball a lot, they were in and around the box, but it never really felt like there's a chance coming. And it, and normally when they're when they're in form or, or Rashford gets isolated somewhere, you're like, okay, something might happen. Greenwood gets isolated, something might happen. And and it just didn't feel like it had that that ability to sort of round the corner and, and see something come of it. So yeah. I'm just gonna jump in really quick, Luis, because I he started with Fred McTominay against a team that's going to sit back. So you have this double pivot that's going to protect your back four when your back four doesn't need that type of protection. They needed another player in midfield that could help combine, take some of that pressure off of Bruno Fernandes. And the fact that Ole Gunnar waited till the 80th minute to bring on Donny van de Beek, who can play, right, looks to combine, can make those little passes, can find space where maybe no space exists because he just grew up in a system of Ajax where they're looking for that type of thing is really 
somewhat embarrassing that you would wait that long. I mean, you could see what they were doing at half. So, okay, cool. I'll take off Fred. I'll even, I'll even allow you Ole Gunner to have the first half to kind of see how this was going to play out. But at halftime, do take off Fred, take off or McTominay, bring on Van de Beek and try to then establish some rhythm in that midfield and see if you can pull some of the West Brom players out. And then if that's not working, then you just got to whip balls in. You just have to whip balls in and hope you win the second ones and keep that pressure on West Brom. They were going to break. I mean, it was up to Harry Maguire. Great save there at the end by the West Brom goalkeeper to, to get a little bit of a fingertip on something that kept it out. But that was just what they needed. And it just felt like it took too long for them to get that desperate, to get that urgent. And so I thought there was a couple things. It's not all on Ole Gunner, but it's on some of the players too. But they didn't really, I don't think, have the right guys out there. I mean, why not throw Matic out there with 10 minutes left to go? Put him up, put him up top next to Cavani and try to win as many headers as you can. It's just like, why aren't those kind of moves making? And why, I don't know, those are the types of questions I would ask him if I was in the, the press conference afterwards. Well, and that's the kind of mentality, I think, where Man United fans, especially lifelong ones, say, you know, this is why we're still so far away from even trying to emulate anything close to the 90s of Manchester United. Because in those moments... You know, Man United back then would just go for it. This is West Brom, West Bromish Allen, right? And uh, James Bench, our, our friend and colleague, James Bench, tweeted something uh, interesting where, like, Harry Maguire and Sky said, "You're not gonna come here and create here, meaning the Hawthorns, gonna come here and create ten chances against West Brom." Well, between November eighth and February second, uh, you know. Every Premier League team created 10 plus chances against West <laughs> Brom. Uh, it's just a, Albion defended well, but it's just a fact that Manchester United didn't do enough to, you know, supersede those 10 chances. And I think uh, Opta had them at, you know, uh, nine chances for United, not 10. So, you know, those are just kind of things where it's like, it, it's what you're saying. It's the mentality and to what you're seeing on the pitch. If you want to win this game, which you rightly should, this is a relegation ridden team then you should do way more than just wait for the 80th minute. Any I, I think, comments from this game? Yeah. I think, I think uh, Ole Gunnar has more points against the, the top six than he does against out of the, the or the top whatever out of than he does against the relegation team. I mean, right. for context, for people who haven't followed the bottom of the Premier League, like West Brom is deep in the relegation zone. Like, I think, I don't know what their points are, but it's not good. They brought in players to try to just salvage this. Yeah. And, well, they're and 19th uh, with 13 points. They've conceded 36 goals. Uh, and I've only won two games, uh, lost 15, drawn seven. No, yeah, and so I, they've given up 55 goals. It's a so I'm sorry, yes. They, they've, yeah. That's right. Their goal difference is 36. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. I'm sorry. They've, yeah. they've, they've allowed 55 goals. <laughs> In 24 games, which is yeah. unbelievable. And so, so yeah, my, my, my closing point on that was just it, – it's. The, a Man United that we expected from this year was literally three weeks ago in a title race should be able to dispose of a team like that week in and week out. That's correct. Correct. Uh, but the only shining light for Manchester United fans is that that point does uh, keep them in second or gets them to second. But still, though, Leicester City with a tremendous performance, a late win against Liverpool, who are just their confidence is as brittle as a broken heart right now. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, after the game, conceded the title. He was basically asked, like, do, do you think the title is over? And he's like, yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, and what? how could you blame that? Comment, though, uh, any Liverpool fan, by the way, I was reading a few really idiotic comments about wanting him out is absolutely disgraceful, like ignorant. But hey, that's what you expect sometimes from uh, from fans. But anyway, Liverpool lose 3-1 to Leicester City. Some good goals and some just horrific mistakes, uh, especially by Allison and Quebec as well. He was part of it as well. Jimmy Conrad, let's begin with you. Leicester City 3-1 against Liverpool. Yeah, fair play to Leicester. I actually thought Liverpool were going to do the business in this one. They knew it was a must win if they wanted to stay in the top four, be in the conversation for the top four. I'm pretty nervous for them. But I want to start with Leicester. I thought they took advantage of their opportunities. I thought Liverpool actually had a couple of good moments. They were really good. I was like, man, these maybe this is going to be the game. And then, you know, they give up one, which turns into three after 12 minutes. So, you know, they're, they're 12 minutes later, they've given up three goals, which is hard. I feel like with Allison's play in particular, and if you guys get to see it, and if you haven't, he just comes out. He's a little aggressive, comes outside of his box, runs into his center back. They both collide into each other. Cue the circus music. The ball falls right to Jamie Vardy, who then walks it in. Yeah. I feel like with that particular play, and Heath has been in this situation before, when you're in a rut, and if you're a player that has a reputation for being counted on, to being one of the leaders, to making big saves, I can understand why Allison might be trying too hard. He's, he's, 
especially for a young center back who's never played, you know, for Liverpool. He's, it's just, it just was a moment of my team's not doing well. I'm going to come out here and save the day. I'm going to put the cape on. I obviously made a mistake the game before and it led to another mistake, unfortunately. And that just kind of sums it up. Now, this is the first time that Liverpool have lost three straight league games with Jurgen Klopp in charge. So they're entering into a lot of uncharted territory at this time. I'm nervous for Liverpool with regard to top four. It doesn't look good. And I think one of the big underlying themes for a lot of things I'll be talking about today in terms of people or teams that weren't performing well is the fact that it's you want to be having a good result the game before you go into playing in Europe, whether you're playing in the Europa League or the Champions League. You want to feel like you're firing on all cylinders. And that's not a good game uh, for Liverpool to get prepared for with regard to confidence heading down to Budapest to play against RB Leipzig. Yep. Heath Pierce. Yeah, again, I, I I think Jimmy Jimmy was spot on in this one, especially with with Leicester set pieces so important. But I I think you know for Liverpool and the people saying Klopp out, they haven't faced this type of adversity yet, right? But they've been facing it now for this stretch, and normally they they hit a a, a little bit of a road bump uh, during Klopp's time. He can be a little bit emotional, but now you're seeing him on the more negative side on a regular basis, and so you start to feel like. You start to question as a fan, like, is there something like, even though you know what the issues are, right? It's a, it's an injury plagued season. Things are going wrong over and over again. You start to look for answers and obviously clop out is not the answer, but like, you can see where that frustration comes in because you're seeing a side of a manager regularly that feels very similar to when you have a manager of a team that's in a relegation battle, right? They're far from where their goals want to be. It's that constant negativity where you're like, one week it's good, but we can't control the result. The next week it's, you know, like just this feels like the world is against this type of feeling. And, and, so, and so I get that. But yeah, I do fear for their, their chances in Europe and the form that they have. It starts to feel a lot like one of those seasons that could become quickly become a wash that takes sometimes a couple seasons to come back from where it's just kind of injury to insult or insult to injury. Um, we're well, just you're both feel talking like the, about it. Hold up a second. You're yeah. both talking about it. So let me ask you straight up. Like, are they going to make it the top four? I'm going to say no. I think that Chelsea uh, are going to figure out a way to do enough, going to have that spirit under Tuchel. He's going to help them salvage uh, a nice little run to get into the top four. Because I think they're going to get knocked out of the Champions League. I think both of these teams actually get knocked out of the Champions League by Sevilla and RB Leipzig, respectively. Hmm. And then it's really all they have left to play for. <laughs> so I, I like Chelsea. I think they've just got more healthy bodies. I think they have more talent at their disposal at the moment, and they got more confidence. They've got three straight wins, and Liverpool have three straight losses. And so we'll see. So yeah. it's, it's really interesting to see uh, and, how this is going to play out, which is going to be really unfortunate because I wonder what Liverpool is going to do. Heath, what do you think? Yeah. Oh, by the way, just to uh, Chelsea face Atletico Madrid in, in the Champions League. Uh, just oh, to- sorry. I said Sevilla. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah. sorry. Same I, group. That's what I remember from the same group. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, I, Heath, I, do I don't think I don't think they will either. And, and the moment that I go to and you can read into this or not is exactly that moment that Allison had in this game, right? When things are going good, that's a normal play. You almost run into a goalkeeper regularly, right? <laughs> it's a timing thing. He's calling it, you're calling it, even when, especially when stadiums are full or loud, it's split second decisions. And that's one of those ones, even on whether it's set pieces or free kicks, they usually just tell you like, the, if the goalkeeper is going to come, come and you can't hear him or whatever, the minimum he can do is just clean you out, right? Just lay you out and make the play because he's the one that, that's got the view of the field. And it goes drastically wrong. And that's happened to me. That happened to me a couple times in my career. And it was usually like a defining moment where you look back on it and you're like, man, you gifted a goal in the biggest moment already. Things are against you. Things are negative. And it just feels like that, that dagger goes a little bit deeper um, within the team. And you just go, man, we just really have no luck. Right. Even these types of things are going wrong. And those are like, like I said, it's like the, the, the tackle or like, um, a dog pile in, in, a, in a football game where it's just like all these things happen. Usually they, they end up all right. And when they don't, you, you start to feel like we, we, we've got no luck They're Even look at this. This is how it leads to Jamie Vardy walking the ball into the goal. He did sprint with it, but like, you know, gets a breakaway onto the goal when that ball, no matter if they crash a thousand times, usually is going to go somewhere else, but it falls straight to Jamie Vardy on a breakaway. Like that is the kinds of things where you just go, man, sometimes you just gotta say, it's not happening. Yeah. So, uh, well, Chelsea have a game in hand. They play tomorrow against Newcastle. And if they win, they'll go fourth and Liverpool will drop to fifth. And by the way, other teams even behind that are also chasing that. So plenty to think about as the weeks go ahead and we close 
the season overall because, you know, things are winding down. All right. Uh, the other results, by the way, Arsenal with a big win against uh, Leeds, uh, a little bit of a late comeback from Leeds United, but they held on. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's been dealing with a lot of personal issues, his mother uh, with health concerns, but she's doing better. Anyway, he comes out with a great hat trick. Um, everybody looking good. Leeds United, really the true definition of their documentary. They're either all or they're nada. Uh, and this was another example. Brighton, as I mentioned, tied nil-nil with Aston Villa. Wolves, uh, 2-1 against Southampton. That's a big win for Wolves uh, as they look ahead. And tomorrow, Monday, we have Chelsea, Newcastle, West Ham, Sheffield United. Anything from those uh, other games, Heath Beers? I mean, I know that you want to talk about your Arsenal, right? <laughs> yeah, no, my only thing is that I was considering giving Hector Bellerin my my uh, Valentine's Day crush. When you saw <laughs> when he scored, he didn't know what to do. He was running yeah. back to the half. Did half I do line. it? Yeah, he wanted to correct he himself. Stopped. He looked up to the sky. He kind of like closed his fist and was kind of like, is this really happening? Like uh, injury and all these things. I, I never score. Like what is going on? It was just this moment where a uh, Purity, um, and he's got very similar like ability hair wise as uh, as your Graylish boy. So like you know, I, I should have given him that, but yeah, it's good to see them win and and the confidence there. Alba getting a hat trick. Hopefully that leads to you know uh, the twenty two goals he scored in the last two seasons per season. Well, and that game, by the way, takes him to tenth uh, uh, or at least keeps him there uh, with thirty four points, two behind Tottenham. Uh, by the way, I missed some other games, Jimmy, just before I ask you, but also. Palace uh, losing badly against Burnley and Fulham, Josh Masha, two goals for uh, the former Sunderland till I die star wins uh, two nothing against Everton and Everton once again with a real, they have injuries. DCL wasn't around and Hamas came off, uh, but still, uh, you know, a good win for Fulham. So Jimmy, any, any thoughts from that? And also as we look ahead to tomorrow, because a big, big game is Chelsea face Newcastle. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that'll be an interesting one. Newcastle do have a tendency of being a bit of a pain in the ass, for lack of a better description, for some of the bigger clubs, just because they are tough to break down. And they do have some talented players. And if Alonson Maximin does get to play, he has the sauce. He's got that juice that I think we all love to see as Newcastle supporters. And I'm surprised he's still on the team. I thought we would have sold him just because he's actually pretty good. So uh, that game will be interesting. I'm curious to see what Tuchel rolls out. He seems to change his lineup a lot. So we'll see what his tactics are with regard to that. That's what I'm most curious about. With regard to Everton, I mean, this is everybody thought this is it. You know, they're going to really kick on. They've gotten some good results, had the FA Cup win, and it was clear they looked a little bit tired too. So maybe Jose Mourinho does know what he's talking about with regard to, to having tired players. I do want to focus on Arsenal, though. I was really happy with Mikel Arteta's starting 11. I think he was spot on. They were up 4-0. They were cruising. And I really, really appreciated the midfield three right underneath Obama Yang of three very talented youngsters in Saka, Odegaard, and Smith-Rowe. I thought that was an excellent combination. You had a nice double pivot of Xhaka and Ceballos, Bellerin bombing forward. I just, I really liked Arsenal today in a lot of different ways, and I hope that he continues to ride, especially with these youngsters, and gives them a chance to shine. And it was nice to see Aubameyang smile. It didn't seem like he'd been smiling yeah. a lot this season. This is his eighth goal now overall with these three today. That puts him... Uh, Hopefully in contention to get 20 again, uh, to, to his point, he's actually had 20 goals in, in league play last five seasons, uh, dating back to his time with Borussia Dortmund as well. So hopefully this will kick on and, and allow that to happen. And we'll see where Arsenal ends up. I mean, they could even, if with Everton kind of dropping off and Villa dropping off and West Ham probably going to hit a stretch where they're not very good. Maybe Arsenal can sneak in there and get that last Europa league spot. Well, we will see. There's still a lot of competition to go, but absolutely a really good performance from Arsenal today. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to do the rest of Europe, including La Liga, Bundesliga, and the very exciting Serie A. Stay right here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Que Golasso. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad. We're going to do the rest of Europe here. Let's begin in La Liga. Jimmy C, Atletico Madrid, uh, left it late, but they won 2-1 against Granada. Real Madrid, 2-1 against Valencia. And Barcelona really turned it up against Alaves, 5-1. So all is pretty much the same. Sevilla also won as well. So the tables, Atleti, Real Madrid, and Barcelona, and Sevilla. Any thoughts from La Liga, Jimmy Conrad? Well, first and foremost, uh, Messi is... He is next level, man. I mean, I, we already know he's one of the greatest to ever do it, if not the greatest to ever do it. And his second goal, the fourth goal of the game, is just so ridiculous. And he makes it look so easy 
it just doesn't seem fair. I mean, some people are just, you know, it just speaks to them, right? They're genius. And if they find what their genius is and they can go explore it and, and are supported in a meaningful way to even get, a, get even better and really maximize what they can bring to the table. And this guy is just another level. It's just unbelievable. So I'll start there. Great performance from them. Uh, it was nice to see Trincao get his first start, the youngster for Barcelona in the league, that is. And he uh, got a brace. So that's that's exciting to get those youngsters some confidence. I thought Griezmann was very good. I think his his link up play with Messi is getting better. They're looking for each other a little bit more. If you guys remember last year, I don't know if Messi didn't like Griezmann last season or just like, didn't like how he like kind of forced his way into the club or whatever, but you know, he was always looking for Suarez and Suarez was always looking for Messi and they kind of left Griezmann out, but this year, no Suarez, you gotta, we gotta play with Griezmann and it's been nice. It's actually nice to see them combine because they're obviously both very talented. So fair play to Barcelona, great performance. I do want to say something about Atletico Madrid because uh, they went into Granada, not an easy place to get a result, and they grinded it out. But I think in years past with Diego Simeone, they'd have maybe, what, 30% possession, 35% possession. They had 60% possession here. They're in control uh, of the game. They don't have all their players available, yet they still find a way. Llorente has been fantastic for them. Marcos Llorente, Angel Correa got a deflected goal there at the end, and they're just their belief. And you can see, if you guys get to watch the highlights of Granada uh, Atleti, you can see after they score that second goal how much it means to them. They, they really, really, not that they don't want to win the league, but it's just... No, they're they, up for it. Yeah, They want it, dude. They yeah. want it so bad. And it's so awesome to see. And, and when, when like, they scored that second goal and Koke falls to his knees and like looks up at the sky, it's just unbelievable. So I'm all about Atleti and, and just their perseverance that even though they went up 1-0 and should have locked it down as they do is because they're Atleti and that's how they usually win games. They gave up a goal and immediately came back and scored another. I just don't think they're going to be stopped right now. And I do want to give a shout out to Real Madrid. Good, good professional performance. Uh, Benzema had a good goal. Tony Cruz had a good goal. And again, Madrid starts to play well right before the Champions League. It's what they do. They love that European competition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it will be interesting to see when the European competition returns, how these teams continue because the schedule will get busier. Uh, by the way, that Barcelona win, Frankie de Jong, because uh, there's a lot of issues at the back for them, injuries, etc. He played center back. So watch out for that uh, in the Champions League. Uh, Frankie de Jong, center back against PSG. He's anything from La Liga. All of this, but, you know, uh, as Jimmy said, Messi being Messi, uh, but Atleti is really, really up for this title. Yeah, I, 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 the only thing that I would I would repeat that Jimmy said because uh, I agree with everything. But one thing that I that I do want to say is the body language of Atletico right now is very similar to the body language of Manchester City. Right when they win games, it's not there is a surprise and delight one because because you know Atletico shouldn't be there in theory, right? With the other teams you have, they should be competing for that, but they shouldn't be in the position that they're in. And same thing with city after starting the way that they started, there's this, uh, there's this now understanding that you see them hugging, you see an excitement, you see this belief that is refreshing, but it's also how bad they want it. It's that passion. And you just, when you see that, and it's a small detail and you can read into it or not, but when you see those details, you go, that's an informed team. That's not taking it for granted. Uh, that is going to be very hard to, to, to beat because there are plenty of teams in the past, Barcelona, Real Madrid, they win, they walk off, they go next week, they win, they walk off and it's an expe- expectation. But when you are in this type of form uh, and you're winning games that perhaps you've played average and you're finding ways to grind out results against the Granada, you, the, the celebration, everything you get one step closer and that confidence grows just a little bit. And, and it's nice to see. Yep. Two teams coached by former uh, strong, smart, defensively minded midfielders. Interesting. I don't know. I'm trying to create a parallel, but probably not. All right. Uh, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Serie A right now. Inter Milan just won 3-1 against Lazio. And because Juventus lost to Napoli and because AC Milan lost to Spezia, a historic, by the way, I watched a lot of Serie A, so you can ask me anything this weekend. Unbelievable. Roma did win, but Inter Milan now top of Serie A. And the narrative changes, switches a little bit. Lukaku, uh, fantastic today, uh, scores a brace. Lautaro Martinez with the other goal, tremendous. And Antonio Conte, for all the issues he's had uh, continental-wise, he's now top of the table, top of Serie A, Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, fantastic. I think that this speaks to a narrative that we've been building now for a few weeks since, or maybe even a few months since uh, Inter Milan got knocked out of the Champions League and they just recently got knocked out of the Coppa Italia semifinals by Juventus. They have no other midweek competitions. They got no other competitions to worry about. This is it. This is it. 
And this was a, a very important performance against a Lazio team that was red hot, probably the hottest team in all of Serie A, six straight wins, uh, and, and finding themselves back in the top four conversation. And a statement win. Lukaku came out ready to go. The whole team was coming out ready to go. Had that body language that I think that uh, Heath was talking about, that a little bit of swagger and confidence that I think only champions can have are ones that know that they're on the cusp of something great if they can just get a couple things to go their way. And I really feel like because they don't have that midweek competition, it should uh, be very good. I don't know if you guys watched the Napoli-Juventus one. I don't know about the penalty. It just like uh, Chiellini put some, his, his arm in somebody's face. And it just seemed a bit harsh. I don't know. I feel like that happens on every set piece, Heath. I, I don't know why they seem to call those when, especially when the goalkeeper came out. I don't know if it was going to make much of a difference anyway. That said, Juve had more than enough opportunities. They peppered Napoli. 24 shots in total, 60% uh, possession, complete control of that one, and just couldn't uh, find a way to get in. David Ospina was, was, got hurt in, uh, in the, the, the warm-ups for Napoli. So that his backup, Alex Moret, came in, and the guy just stood on his head. Unbelievable performance from him. I think he was the man of the match, in my humble opinion, and didn't allow Cristiano Ronaldo and everybody else to score. But, uh, yeah, that was a big loss for Juve. They really needed it to keep pace, especially because Milan lost as well. Now, I will say that was the first big game between all the big clubs. So what I'm really upset about with regard to Milan is that Spezia, who's 16th, 17th in the table, uh, Milan knew that Juve lost. This was their chance to create distance. Uh, and, and they came out and were so flat. They didn't even register one shot on goal in a game that, that they should win, right? We talk about it with Manchester United West Brom. You should win these games, especially if you want to consider yourself a title contender. You have to win these games. And the fact that Zlatan was out there, all their top guys were out there, and they couldn't even register a shot on goal really speaks to something that might not be good for Milan moving forward. Cause we've seen it with Liverpool, right? I mean, all of a sudden you start to buy into, and eh, maybe we're not as good as we thought we are. And sometimes that, that turns into a much longer stretch where you can't score and you can't win. Yeah. You know what though? Just very quickly, the Spezia deserved this win. So they, I agree with they you. were I agree with so you. good. Bastoni, by the way, please watch his goal. A first time screamer just off a, 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 an indirect free kick, I believe. Hey, listen, Heath, Serie A. Hey, next weekend. Milan Derby as well. Oh, baby. What do you, what do you make of uh, this title race? And Jimmy's right. Juventus, you know, were all over Napoli for a long time. They just couldn't, uh, they couldn't equalize. Uh, but, you know, the title race changes in the end. And also, by the way, uh, who ends up in the top four? Yeah, I think uh, a huge win for Roma this weekend. I want to point that out. Mm -hmm. um, but, but when it comes to title races, this is, the, this is the weekend that I was, you know, generally looking at where – not necessarily this exact weekend, but a weekend where there's a slip on top, right? AC Milan slips. That's where you would expect a Juventus traditionally to go, okay, that's our cue, right? We're going to take advantage of this, and then we're going to just, in the same way that City did, they wait for the cue, no one runs away with it, and they it lingers, it lingers. Somebody goes, all right, we're going. And it kind of showed me that Juventus, I don't think are, are, are this would, like they could have closed this gap. I think they had a game in hand against, against uh, AC Milan as well. And then you have the Milan Derby the next weekend. Like the, 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 the story was written for Juventus to capitalize on this weekend, uh, capitalize next weekend on the fact that two teams are, are one of them is going to cough up points and really position themselves. And now they've, they've left that behind. And the story becomes back about Inter again um, and Inter in form with a Lukaku with nothing else to play for. It's I, I still I still want to hold hope for AC Milan just because it was a team I loved when I was it was like one of the only teams that I knew about when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, it's certainly the, the if you were to start writing the story, it's written very much towards the Inter Milan and the and the schedule they have to manage out for the rest of the year to to win this trophy. Having said that, you know AC Milan, I think you know it, it, with with regard to their European adventure, this is far bigger than that. And and but like you said, uh, Spezia very good, but you expect AC Milan to win that game, right? In the form that they've been in at the top of the table, knowing they they could distance themselves mm -hmm. uh, and didn't. So um, I'm 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 like on the edge of of, of leaning towards this is Inter Milan's uh, league this year. Well, I mean, next weekend, next Sunday is a gigantic match. It's huge. just huge. It's massive, Jimmy. Oh, it's huge. And I want to say, because Inter doesn't have a game midweek, they can just kick back and do whatever they want to do and watch Milan, AC Milan, that is, go to Belgrade to face Red Star Belgrade in the Europa League midweek, right? They have to now concentrate on that. They need to have Stefano Pioli, the manager for Milan, has to concentrate and focus how to rotate his club. Inter can be like, eh, 
<laughs> we're cool. I'm going to give, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to give Lukaku a couple of days off. I want him to be fresh for this one, you know? So I think Inter are going to be the favorites in that particular game. And if they go and go on and win that and create a little bit of a gap at the top of the table, I don't think anybody's going to catch him. No, absolutely. All right, let's finish everything off with the Bundesliga. Uh, just very quickly, uh, Bayern Munich uh, didn't play this weekend, obviously coming back from winning the Club World Cup. But key matchups here, RB Leipzig wins 2-1 against Augsburg. Dortmund and Hoffenheim draw 2 all. Top four right now, Bayern, Leipzig, Eintracht Frankfurt, and Wolfsburg still up there. Uh, Jimmy, uh, pretty interesting top four here. Uh, but, you know, 2-4 two, two is interesting. We know what one's going to happen. But anything from the Bundesliga? Yeah, what I wanted to say is I want to give a shout out to Andre Silva from Eintracht Frankfurt. He has quietly flown under the radar this season. He scored against FC Cologne uh, this weekend. It's his 18th goal in, in the league. He's only second to Robert Lewandowski, and he's above Erling Holland, who's got 15. He's got 18. And I think that speaks to a, a lot of the reasons why Eintracht are having so much success. Obviously, Luka Jovic coming back from Real Madrid is going to help them as well. They have won eight of their last 10. They're unbeaten in their last 10 in the league. And they've been fantastic. I mean, they're, they're taking care of teams on the road to Hoffenheim, uh, taking care of Hertha, Schalke, of course, anybody can do that. Mainz, Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, there's Borussia Mönchengladbach was a 3-3 results. I mean, they can hang. And I think that's a credit to the belief that they now have. We talk about that swagger, and I, Heath is so spot on with that, that there's that little type of body language that makes such a big difference. Yeah. And when you have it, when you have it, you're like, God, why, why can't we keep – can we bottle this and sell it? Because it's like something – even if something goes wrong, you're like, it's okay. We'll figure it out. But if you're not, if you don't have that, if something goes wrong, you're like, oh man, this is the worst. And I look at Wolfsburg and I look at Eintracht Frankfurt and they got that little something right now that could push them on to finish in Champions League spots, which would be a huge credit to those, both of those clubs and their managers and their players for making that happen. And again, these are also clubs that don't have those midweek competitions like the Leverkusen's and the Mönchengladbach's and the other ones, RB Leipzig's that are in Borussia Dortmund that are trying to compete in multiple competitions. Yeah, and Frank Frankfurt have such an interesting team, by the way. Like right behind Silva, there's Japanese international Kamada, Eunice, who used to play for Napoli. Like it's they're they're a super they're super fun. Heath, uh, anything from that? Uh, what are you thinking here? Bundesliga, not the race itself, the top four, I guess. <laughs> top four yeah. more interesting. Yeah, I, I think honestly. Dortmund, Leverkusen, and Gladbach are all at risk of losing Champions League spots and, and two out of the three of them likely losing European spots at the rate that they're playing right now. Dortmund is a huge risk, and I don't know how, again, you know, you know perhaps we're going to see uh, a, an interim firing, uh, which you rarely see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, and, and I, I think we probably would have if, if, if Holland didn't, uh, wasn't able to pull one back for them and, and get out of that with a, their, their, their game with a point. Um, but yeah, all three of those teams, Gladbach, Leverkusen, Dortmund, all all sort of like living on the edge right now. Obviously, teams in form with Wolfsburg and 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 uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of the 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 my thoughts on that is there is a a huge risk, and with the form, you have to expect that there's going to be two out of those three teams um, with pretty disappointing ends of their 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 story for this season. Well, you know what? He just brought up a really good point just very quickly before we finish, because, you know, Lucien Favre left around December 13th. I think that was the date. That's when he was going to be replaced. You know, did, should Borussia Dortmund have like acted super fast and instead of staying internal, like look for somebody else? I mean, I know how German sides are a little different than other uh, teams in other leagues. They're not as, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, quickly we have to react. We have to do something. They want to take their time, but to your point, you know, not just just sticking with an interim manager uh, is, is really damaging them right now. What do you think, Jimmy? Real quick on that. No, I just think it's more hopeful. We hope this works out. We hope that Tursic, who even though he was pretty much a protege of the, the previous manager, Lucien Favre, can, can figure something out and, and tinker enough to get us up into a Champions League, make us competitive. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't know. I, I think if you were going to make a change of that significance, especially with the amount of talent that you have at your disposal, 
you'd want to bring in somebody that was actually going to excite the, the base of, of players, as opposed to this guy who's now putting Gio Reyna. I'm so pissed about this, putting Gio Reyna out wide and he doesn't have any influence on the game because that's not where he's at his best. <laughs> and then you know? summon I mean, him in the 50th minute because yes, he hasn't exactly. been involved. <laughs> How about you want to, you want to kill the spirit of a young player, play him out of position and then sub him out 50 minutes in and, and see how that goes. So. And again, this happened in December 13, the winter break, like you have time to like figure things. I, ju I just think that sometimes you have to react fast and you have to be aggressive in the changes if you want to make something. Yeah. I'm being hopeful. I don't think, especially if you're Borussia Dortmund, is sometimes good enough, Heath. Well, they've been able to do it status quo every single year, right? Out of the title race, into the Champions yeah. League. Out of the title race, into the Champions League. You can do it with your eyes closed, right? They have the talent. They have the players. They have the depth, for sure, within that team to be a Champions League team. But clearly, they're not, they're not motivated. I think they're, again, aging at the back a little bit and need to, uh, you know, sort of build a system that, that has a little bit more risk mitigation when you attack with that many players. Um, but you got those young players. And I was listening to a broadcast recently um, and, and Steve Trundle was on it. Right. And I don't think Steve Trundle is pro Gagan press or pro even young players, even though he was a young player to go into the Bundesliga. Um, for those that don't know, Steve was a U.S. international um, for a long time and played with Jimmy and I, um, but his whole thing was like, this is the risk that you run when you play too many young players. Right. Is that the requirement for that many players to be good for that long when they don't have, that uh, perhaps backing or that trust or that belief in themselves or a belief from a manager or a club, it starts to fall apart. And look, they, Holland has solved their problems constantly, solved them this weekend with two goals, right? Like to get them out of this mess, individual moments, but they didn't, they looked far from the team, you know, two weeks ago that was attacking and looked like one of the best attacks in Europe. And then a month before that, where they, they couldn't generate anything. And it's just that inconsistency. But I think their belief was, yeah, but uh, you know, worst case scenario, what do we finish third, you know, in champions league behind RB Leipzig and, and everything is fine still, but now they m literally might not make Europe or, or at least champions league. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. All right. Well, uh, food for thought, everybody. Food for thought. All right. This is it. That's the end of the episode. Before we leave, final thoughts from Jimmy or Heath. Jimmy, I'll give you the mic. Final thoughts as uh, we look ahead, by the way, to a ridiculously busy week here at Kego Lasso and CBS Sports. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the week and obviously to see how these teams perform with the lights of the Champions League shining upon them. But in honor of Valentine's Day, I just want to say that I love you guys. That's it. How <laughs> warm and you. fuzzy to end this. Love you too, man. Heath, how about you? Final thoughts? Well, geez, I don't know how to follow that up <laughs> other than like an I love you too. I, I just want to know, is that like if you were to text that to me, would you would you spell Y-O-U or would you do the U that's a little less formal? You know, if you said I, I love you, would it be just the I letter would, I would go I-L-Y. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Who does yeah. that? I would go, and then I would return, respond with I-L-Y and the number two, you know, exactly. just to perfect. make sure it just, perfect. you know, the boys being boys. I would, I would do be a too gif. vulnerable. I would do a gif of Fez in uh, that seventh show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thanks, guys. Heath Pierce, thank you, man. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Kegolasso Pod on Twitter. We have a YouTube account, YouTube forward slash Kegolasso. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CBSSports.com. We are everywhere. Make sure that you subscribe and you listen. We have a very, very busy week ahead as the Champions League returns and Europa League, of course. So make sure that you tune in because we have two episodes episodes a day with our team. Have a great, great Sunday and a beginning to your week. See you next time.